Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to another episode of The Freak Show. I'm your host, Adam, and today we are talking about stuff. I don't really know specifically what I want to talk about, but I had an amazing conversation today with a few folk about uh, children, raising them, and and sort of techniques and, and everything. So uh, I think I'll touch on that a bit and just some other topics in general and just maybe have some general stuff I've been learning and psychology behind it. And perhaps that will just uh, snowball into something pretty cool here. Without further ado, let's start the show! Alright, hey, welcome back. We are talking about stuff lots of stuff what are we going to talk about well okay so i had this conversation today and it was about children it was about kind of parenting styles and everything some of the stuff i've learned through psychology and through my my studies and everything kind of contradicts some of the traditional methods that people are talking about um i also do life coaching on the side and there is a kind of a i don't know if it's a stigma i don't know if it's a this thing that people feel the urge that how do I apply all these um, skills that I'm learning through, you know, CBT and NLP. Those are uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and neurolinguistic programming or neurolinguistic uh, plasticity. How do I apply those to my child? And I think there's a misconception. I think they're. I think we're not realizing that children perceive things at a different level than. An adult does. They haven't yet comprehended it between the ages of like zero and four. They haven't yet comprehended bad things, terrible things. They're still reliant upon the adult, the parent or the caretaker to take care of them. If if the parent were to die, they wouldn't know at that time at four, this is what has to happen in order for me to survive. They would still go, who's going to bring me my food? You know, so there's other aspects that... uh, were mentioned and one of them was uh I've been using uh words with my children about emotions and I think that's okay. I think that's great because helping them identify some of their emotions is, is just teaching them the word that associates with that emotion. However, there's a danger to it when we start going, why are you angry? Why are you frustrated and why does that become a construct for children? I, I mean, to me, when a child is angry, it's usually an observed trait that they observe from their parents, caretaker, etc., or even on TV. Uh, a child that crumples up a paper, throws it away angrily, may not actually be angry about that item. Maybe. Maybe they are. Maybe they are upset they, you know, drew outside the lines. But I, I don't know if any kid... I mean, do you really get upset over that? <laughs> But anyway, so if you go and address the kid and you say, well, hey, why are you so angry? What you just exhibited there is anger. You're you're always exhibiting anger. Right there, you have now put a stigma on the child, and the child's experience or comprehension of this is, boy, I'm always angry. I must uh I must need to work on this. I why am I always angry? You know? And so I think that's uh that's something that you know, needs to be addressed or needs to be looked at, but excuse me a second, my mic is falling. But I think what needs to be addressed 
And what needs to be understood is this. Children do not understand what they are um, necessarily saying, doing, or acting. Now, they have emotions, okay? And a lot of times these, are emo the, these emotions are based on the experiences they have. So a child going through a traumatic experience is going to remember that. They're going to remember that experience and how they felt. A child being happy are gonna, is going to remember how they felt. That's why nostalgia as an adult is such a powerful thing and, and can be sold. Nostalgia can be sold. What an interesting concept that is. Experience is sold. It, it, and when we talk marketing and psychology, we talk about the experience that someone is going to have with the item or product, right? So that's the same with the child. Uh, much like an animal or a dog, it's kind of the same concept. We're going to be focused on the experience that animal is going to have. If that animal has experienced something bad or negative, they are going to act and react in that in accordingly. But if they've had good, a good experience, they also react and act accordingly. So I think if there's a negative um, situation that we can actually explore that and take away that uh, feeling and experience that is negative for the child and can that we can then turn it around. So in other words, uh, an experience for them that is anger or anger related. In other words, they thought in this situation where I was coloring outside the lines, I should respond angrily towards it. And the truth is they really shouldn't. That's not the right anger. It's okay. I see that I messed up and, and now I just got to go back and not go outside the line. I got to be a little bit more careful next time. So if we automatically address the child and go, why are you so angry? They may not even be realizing they're exhibiting that emotion, that they're displaying that emotion because they have been uh, more or less observed. Um, they more or less observed that observation. So that that's kind of an interesting concept that we were talking about. And, you know, I was kind of in out of the conversation a little bit, but um, the other thing that uh, they brought up was control. Parents always feel the need to be in control. They feel the need to... Control every situation aspect of the child's life. Otherwise, they're not being a good parent. And that is a it's something that seems to be happening today more than it ever used to. Today, it's not okay to spank your kid. It's not okay to hit your kid on the hand if they're about to touch a hot pan. How dare you? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm kind of speculating here, but I think the idea gets across. And no, it's okay to spank your child if they're doing something that pain needs to be a response for. Otherwise, it's interpreted or experienced as abuse by the child, not by the adult. And that's where that's a that's a concept that I think gets lost, especially with all the social media nowadays. And the biggest thing on media is negative stuff that gets the most attention, uh, which I have a hard time with. And I've been <laughs> trying to combat myself and I'm being the person that's a keyboard warrior. And I'm always saying, hey, you know. Well, this is really kind of what it's like. Why are you following the narrative? Why why aren't you questioning it? We should be questioning everything. So that's kind of what you want to get the kid to do, I suppose, in retrospect. Get the kid to kind of question why why are you reacting that way uh, to, to drawing outside the lines, little Kimmy, you know? <laughs> or, um, you know, I, I once experienced these uh, two kids, right? They were probably about six years old, and they... One of them wanted a toy car from the from his brother, and his brother wouldn't give it to him. So they kind of had this little spat, and the, the brother, I think, said, don't be angry or stop being angry. And then he goes, 
I don't have anger issues. And don't you tell me I do out of this extreme rage and anger. But what that told me was is the kid isn't angry. Okay. He's he's not angry at his brother for not giving him the toy. He just knows how to respond to that because that's what he's witnessed. I mean, that's in a very adult stance and very adult um, words right there. That's why there's a danger if you if you put adult situations onto a child. What happens when you include them? Uh, I was going through my, you know, some of my other work, and uh, someone had said that they're a preschool teacher, and they include the child on adult conversations, adult decisions. Well, that's great. I I think that's um, kind of a good test to see where kids can actually start learning to problem solve, kind of ha- kind of play. In that, however, I find it's manipulative to the parents, and I think it puts the child in a very interesting um, perspective, a very interesting conundrum there. Um, if I'm a kid, why the hell am I involved with my parents' decision-making? Now, who do I please, the teacher or my parents? You know, and we're taught to be good kids. So you're what happens is you keep confusing a child, and you're not creating an environment of normalcy. Normalcy and consistency. Consistently normal. I don't know if I should coin that as a term, but maybe I will in my next paper. Consistently normal is good for a kid. Things that aren't perceived as being bad but are still inconsistent and and not normal for them is going to be perceived as a trauma. For instance, uh, moving. If you move more than one or two times, if you just move at all, if, if you have a divorce, even if it's not traumatic, it's still perceived as trauma to the child, and that goes up to the age of about 18. Okay? The So if you have a, a child that's 11 years old, parents get divorced, or maybe you just decide to move. It's not bad. You're just doing it because, hey, it's better over there. Sure. You know, that is a form of trauma. It's an inconsistency. And children that have been brought up in homes that have consistencies uh, have been known to live better lives, be able to adapt to adulthood, be able to have more friends, uh, get along with others, be better at their jobs, be better at their work naturally uh you know for my instance i was i i did a list of how many traumas i really had going through my life uh i'm over i'm at 12 okay i had my parents divorce at six i uh you know got beat from eight to 12 <laughs> i had to go do, i moved like so many times or my dad did at least and he had my parents both had boyfriends and girlfriend I mean, my dad had a girlfriend my mom had a boyfriend like had multiples of those so those are all traumas. Those are all different things I had to experience as a child that isn't normal, not from my perception. So I had to work harder to become better at myself. I had to work harder at becoming, uh, you know, a focused individual and stuff. And I'm, I'm more inclined. And even to this day, I am more inclined to put something off, not do something in fear of how I'm going to feel if I do it or confront it because I just don't want to deal with it. So it's taken me a lot of time and a lot of coaching and a lot of training of myself to get myself over that to eventually move on and become a better person just in all aspects. I know I was weird. I have friends that thought I was just the weirdest person in the world, but I was really glad that they still accepted me. But there's a normalcy in in how they behaved and how people naturally liked them because their families were a bit more normal. And, And I don't mean the dynamic. I meant the normalcy for them. They're not moving cities. They might just move, maybe they didn't move um, houses as little children, you know, necessarily. I don't know. 
but uh, I know that if I stayed in my same bed for most of my life, I would have been able to focus on other things and adjust differently because one traumatic experience affects all the, the flow of other experiences. So hopefully that makes sense and and that can be a little bit more you know uh descriptive of what I'm I'm kind of trying to get at for this. I mean it, it's it's not the easiest uh thing to just talk about and just to come out about. All right, so back to the kid that was uh about 6 years old wanting the toy and the anger he experienced. Now, most likely what happened at six, because at six, you're starting to use some of your uh, negotiating skills. And on the playground, you're, you, you know, you want to teach your kids these negotiating, sharing, um, being friendly, you know, getting the acceptance of others and how you do that. And, and socializing them, much like a dog, you want to socialize it early on. If you don't, it becomes very aggressive towards everything. Everything's out to get them. But these traumas, are now developing that kid's response and reactive uh, traits. And that's something that we don't want as parents. We don't want our kid to be the one that is the bully. We don't want our kid to be the one that is, you know, always goofing goofing off and causing trouble. And I mean goofing off as causing trouble. Uh, one study was done that at age, around ages three to four, maybe five, that tumbling, roughhousing, is actually good for them because it teaches them fairness. Teaches them how to play fair. So that's kind of an interesting concept. And, and not only that, as, as an adult, the kid's always going to wear you out. You're never going to wear the kid out. But, you know, taking that concept of parenting that nowadays any type of rough house, roughhousing seems to be bad. And there's this, like, stigma about it that if you, if you roughhouse with your kid, you're being abusive or it's going to cause them to be violent later. And that's the same influence as video games that they try to talk about. And, and that's more of what I... Uh, tend to study in my free time, kind of my fun little niche there. But, uh, you know, I go and play Batman. I'm not a vigilante. I'm, uh, some people go and play, uh, uh, what's some of the other ones? Like Sims, and we don't act as stupid as them. Although, if you watch the commercials on, uh, what is it, the the infomercial commercials, it's very much like uh, Sims. But it doesn't mean that if you go and play GTA, suddenly now you're going to become a criminal. I don't believe that at all. I think there's a huge... Um, so if you reference the DSM, the DSM-5 is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the fifth edition uh, by the American Psychiatric Association. This is like the Bible for mental disorders. And you know what? When you look up some of the criminal things that these people with disorders or had to have had in order to be able to be capable, <coughs> had to have or lack of, in order to be capable of creating such an atrocity, uh, horrific, terroristic thing, it's astounding of what they would have had to have in place in order for that to happen. That's why it's not based on what you play or the influence. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't have a... There isn't an influence there. Everything we do or experience is an influence to some extent, you know, to some level, to some measure. But that doesn't that doesn't automatically apply that that's why the person did what they did. So child development is very important and uh, I'm coming up on about 17 minutes here. I don't want to make this too long. Child development is very important because if we take care of the early years, we stay consistent and we learn what is a trigger, what's a trauma, what's a uh, influence 
on their experiences, we can actually develop better children. And it's irregardless of uh, the other influences out there. The ones they regard the most, especially in the younger ages, is our parental instincts, our parents. So, if we want better children, we have to learn and educate ourselves to help them and understand them correctly. So stop imposing adult situations on your kids. They don't, I mean, you can give them the decision of what they want for lunch, this or this. But don't expect them to come up with, uh, you know, mom, where's my lunch? You know, don't expect them to come to you and tell you what you want. I'm sure they might. They just expect it to be on the table. And you know what? And that's okay. So let go of the control. Influence the experiences that they have. And, and, and yeah, there are elements you do need to control as a parent. I'm not saying you don't do anything. There are elements you need to control as a parent. But control yourself and how they experience what goes on around them. That is important. That is the most important. It's their experiences in life that cause them to develop the into what they are. And, and understand, too, that there's certain gaps and generations at nine years old are still not ready to hear about emotional things that get them um i don't know like to understand and contemplate life at 13 that's dangerous because then they start getting overly emotional and doing things that they never would have normally done because they're not thinking about the consequences i made that choice at 18 i moved back home to wisconsin I wasn't contemplating the, the decision I was making and how, who it was going to hurt, how it was going to hurt them, how it was going to hurt myself. I should have went back home. Instead, I stayed because my father convinced me because he's that kind of asshole that says, hey, stay here and, you know, I'll take care of you. And then he actually kicked me out on the street twice because I wasn't listening to him talk shit about my mom. So, I mean, the, the cycle goes on. It goes into adulthood. So you can't ignore the children. You can't ignore the children at the time. You can't ignore the adolescents. You can't ignore the influences and experiences that they are having going on around them. And that's acknowledging their emotions. And that's acknowledging that they are having those emotions. It is real to them. And in loving them, nurturing them. You know, but also uh, not ignoring when you need to be in control and not not worrying about being overly in control, if that makes sense. Still give them the opportunity to, to learn and experience a right and wrong uh, to everything, you know. Oh, you put your shoes on wrong. Why do you think, <laughs> how do you think that happened? Did, were you, were you looking? You know, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's, it's really more or less the emotion you're giving in return. So if you give an emotion of insecurity and, and, you, you treat them like they always have a problem or they always have issues or maybe their, you know, experience with a uh, emotion needs to have a label that can be very dangerous because to what extent do we, are we then uh, creating a level of neuroticism? You know, it's much like a dog. If you treat a dog like it's got something wrong with it all the time, even though it did in the past, it's going to keep acting like that, insecure, unsure. So that's kind of the analogy, and I think it's a reference of Pavlov's dog or Pavlo something like that. But, but uh, just a few things that I think can help in understanding 
the development of what goes on in children and in ourselves that uh, we can work with on a very different level. And as coaches, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm in coaching now, and I've been doing this about three months, and I've worked with many people and many parents. I think there is some definite uh, educating information that needs to get put out there, and it needs to be corrected, uh, or, or I should better say correctly put out there, because we get a lot of misconceptions when there's not enough context. I get a lot of people that say, man, you write a lot of long posts on, on Facebook. Yeah, because it needs context, and I'm tired of everyone taking everything I say out of context, and I'm tired of everyone taking something else from someone out of context, and then you just build this narrative of chaos, of, of chaos, yeah, I totally said it wrong, of chaos, and it's developing neurotic behaviors. Just that alone is developing a neurotic behavior, so I want to correct that. I want to be part of the uh, solution, not part of the problem, and and you know... That's just kind of the way the world is turning. We now have so much information that we need to make sure we're, we're doing it correctly and that we have a correct perspective on things and not going with what we believe because it makes, it feels, makes us feel comfortable, but going by, you know, what stands up to questioning, what stands up to reason, what stands up to um, persecution, etc. That's the whole point of why I put things out. So if you have any objections, if you'd like to get on the show, if you want to talk, please feel free. I am open. Um, this is a monologue, so it's kind of my opinion. Whatever I say goes. But I would really like to have someone else on the show. I'd like more perspectives and uh, just to kind of open a can of worms a bit more. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a great week. And uh, find me on all my social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at JokerFace49, and uh, on SoundCloud at Freak Show and iTunes podcast is on itunes yes and uh what else where else can you find me ebay if you like books and you want to see some of the ones i'm reading and some of the ones i'm giving out uh after i've read them because i got some psychology books on there please check it out uh i sell all kinds of books and it's ebay uh let's see it's store.ebay.com forward slash adams finds a-t-o-m-s-f-i-n-d-z i believe could be s find me on there and uh, buy something or, you know, let me know how you heard of me. Make a suggestion. If you tell me that you heard me from my podcast, I will give you a discount right off the bat. Don't even worry about it. And uh, I'll give you a good deal. You know, because I want people from my podcast, you know, getting uh, getting the perks. All right. Thanks again for listening. Have a great week. And I don't even know what I was going to say after that. Just have a great week. And that is uh, Adam signing up. Oh,